Yeah, there's a uh, there's ton of things um, that we're doing internally um, for M6 right now. Um, I think one of the biggest thing that we're kind of building out is like we're building out this um, Y Combinator kind of like portfolio aftercare structure. So we'll be announcing that pretty soon here. We have like the MVP that we've been kind of running. Um, we'll probably run that with like a few founders that we have in our portfolio and then probably roll it out to the wider public pretty soon. So that's going to be really good. And I know Kadeem's been working on a lot of like um, um, new research side that like the platform and outlets. So I think that's going to be really exciting as well. But yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we have Dan here today. Um, Dan's been... Dan, you were here in November, right? I think. Um, yeah, either late November, early December. Yeah, November, early December. Um, uh, yeah, so we can talk about a couple of things that Dan's been looking at. Also, yeah, um, Luke, do we have anything in the agenda that we want to discuss? Yeah, we have a few things. Um I think Dennis wanted to discuss uh, Ohm initially, like the, the Ohm crash and kind of what's going on there. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, do we want to start with the intro though? Before... Yeah, Dan, I guess it's been a while. Yeah, so let's do a quick intro and then get things moving. Sure. Um, my experience is in stage five for the most part. I start. I got into DeFi end of October, but I've I've worked at Optiver and Citadel um, on their options desks, um, building products and and um, strategies out. And I've been off like about a year now for my non compete since I quit. Um, so I've I've just been going full into DeFi and I'll be joining jump trading uh, this summer, most likely. So um, yeah, just try to combine the two worlds I know and uh, here to answer, you know, have dialogue with you guys who know a lot more about some stuff than I do. No, you've been, you've been really active on our, um, the, the alpha league channel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, loving... just asking questions. I just like to ask questions. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, like, I mean, some of the things, like, I don't have, like, chance to kind of, like, prime over. You kind of, like, you know, you go over them. So, yeah, it's it's been really nice, like, having that channel super active. Um, yeah, get to have you in, man. Um, okay, sounds good. So, yeah, I think we can talk about, you know, like, uh, the other stuff when Dennis joins, like, um, and things like that, but yeah, let's uh, let's kind of move forward. Um, yeah, Luke, uh, what do you have for us today? I think you might be on mute. Yeah, Luke, I think you might be on mute. Okay, good shout there. I was. Definitely on talking to myself. <laughs> um, uh, I think it might be best to start off with uh, like market sentiment. Uh, I think most people are bearish in this range. Um, 
However, today, uh, I think we're just ranging, right? We're just ranging. I I think so. I don't know. Like Dan, what are you seeing on your other circles, and you know, like given your experience? Well, yeah, most most people I talk to seem to think there's kind of like a capitulation of profit takers and new people getting involved. So it just seems like there's a lot of back and forth, right? Like you have, yeah, you have huge buys and huge sells kind of going on at the same time. And meanwhile, like volatility is just getting crushed. Like, yeah, one week to one month out implied volatility is, I think, at year lows, even though we're moving a lot. So, yeah, all that means is there's just like a bunch of two way trading that's not really going anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, I think it's a it's a bit of a yeah. It's it's like definitely one of those things. It's like as we kind of like move towards like a bigger move, yeah, we'll have more and more volatility. But I, I'm not the one to kind of like comment on the market. Um, I think what well, a lot think, of the like, team members, think, yeah. I think people are also just getting way more interested in in the new and upcoming L ones. Like that's how most people made a lot of their money last year, right? So, like, you see the near, um, you see the near stuff, even though Oasis stuff is getting popular for DGENs to just flip. Mm. So, like, what are you going to do? Make 5% on Ether, or you can get into Fuse, you know, that's up, like, 5x in the last month, or an Oasis, an Oasis app, or a or a near one that, you know, is doing multiples per month now. And so I think people mm-hmm. are just less interested in Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah, I I very much agree with that sentiment. Um, I think we're seeing a lot less adoption. Uh, I think there was someone who did a... Um, I, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but I'm going to try it. I think his name is Raul uh, Paul or something like that. Paul. And um, he has a thread... Uh, I think around the new year about showing kind of the, the lack of adoption in Bitcoin and kind of showing that there's less retail adoption. However, but uh, there's kind of more wall, like more whales adopting Bitcoin. And we're seeing the same thing in Ethereum. Like we're seeing less retail adopting Ethereum and opting more for newer layers like Avalanche and Solana. And uh, I think we're kind of seeing that trend continue in the market currently. So I, I very much agree with that, um, like the L1 rotations. <laughs> the L1 rotations. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, I think like there's there's so little to differentiate for most, most like DGENs can't differentiate much between phantom avalanche binance so like you see a huge rotation when like daniel e and uh andre announced they're moving a project to phantom right you literally see the market cap go up 30 percent, and you see avalanche volume and market cap shrink off so for the non-technical non like um you know the funds who don't do the real technical research, I think it's it's just very rotation based, and and you know what mm-hmm. happens coming out where, and I'm just going to move move my move my money there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I do feel like it's not really a... Uh, it's like, if you're really good, you could make a lot of money in this market, but I do feel like the sh timings are a lot shorter because, like, we... There is a possibility of, you know, like a big move up or down. Um, so definitely you could, I, I do feel like you could lose a lot of money in this market uh, if you or get chopped out a lot as well, if you're like you know, too active. Yeah, I think you kind of have to, um, I think Kobe just released a piece recently about like the market is now played a, a player versus player. So kind of the rotations are, we're, we're kind of stealing money from other crypto brother, bros rather than uh, the new retail yeah. <laughs> or the institutions. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, the rotations are getting tighter and quicker and like around November, the rotations were like, uh, like a month long, kind of like prior to November. And then after that, it went from weeks to days to uh, the rotations just went uh, a couple of days there in the end, where it was like uh, this chain did well for a few days and then it died off. And then a week later it did well again. And kind of the rotations became really brutal these last uh, month or two. So um, yeah, hopefully we get more adoption in 2022 and we're not just taking money from other crypto bros <laughs> yeah i also think like there's the other rotation which you guys talked about last week or last podcast and the one before just people are really looking for like the next big game fi and not even like quality game fi but just anything that can you know get a tenth of the market cap of uh DeFi kingdoms or anything like that right and I'm sure Garlem knows much more about this than I do, just the future of GameFi. But you kind of see, you know, Ohm Forks in November, we're getting 50 to 100 million TVL like week two. And now they kind of flop on, they flop on launch. Um, and so I think people are kind of realizing you got to invest more in quality versus go with the herd, especially in the Ponzi-nomic stuff. I I agree like I, I I agree with that sentiment but I think we we see a lot of the same saturation in gaming that we see with uh ohm forks I would argue and I would say if you look at like guilds in particular uh I, I think people don't really know how to properly value them and that's why we saw like merit circle reach like ten dollars is because it's it, it's I don't want to say it's pretty much vaporware but it pretty much is like uh the reason why it rallied that high is because of the speculative nature of it yeah. not because of the fundamentals uh and uh i think it even reached a higher market cap of uh why than ygg and i think ygg has more than double or triple the amount of scholars as them. Yeah. so i think we do see the same amount of saturation uh but i think it's a bit different where gamefi i think the speculative uh, like I think there's still a lot of speculation in GameFi like I, I saw a shitcoin last night with just like a YouTube 
clip huh. and it was like it was already twenty five million dollar market cap. Huh. Um Dragon Crypto Aurorum. Oh yeah. I think. DC yeah. AU, I think is the ticker if you want to look it up, anybody. But um yeah, it, I think we do see the same like saturation, but I think the fundamentals for GameFi are a lot stronger yeah. than um I get I think the big guilt. thing for me I also know. this last week was that jewel um huge like OTC trade where they were selling one year lockups for you know eighty percent off current price. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I'm probably not the best person to ask about this. Um, Sorry, which one? I've kind of stayed. Jewel. Oh, Jewel. Uh, yeah. Jewel had yeah. like a massive, uh, like one year lockup sell on tokens, and they were selling down to like two bucks a token. Yeah, the OTC, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I do know it's ultimately bullish for Jewel. Um, in the long run. So there would be less of a dumping when the unlocks happen. And is, are these over the counter uh, trades? Are, are they taking place uh, with like a, like a locked jewel, jewel token or are they yeah, just over the counter? For ten, 10 months to a year. But why do you think it's bullish? I mean, they're selling jewel down to two bucks, you know, millions of dollars worth when it, it was trading twenty dollars at the time. In the long run, I think it's bullish. Uh, right now, I think it might drag down the price of Jewel a little bit, but um, yeah, I think it can maybe rebound bound here soon because what it's already twenty five percent down from its all time high. So yeah, but I if it continues, you're going to have like one hundred fifty million dollars worth of tokens unlock in September to December. That can't be bullish for the price. So basically, I think what they're betting on is um, it's it's with a lot of like these like more top tier projects um, where you hope for two things. I think you hope for the ecosystem growth. Um, sorry, like ecosystem like crypto macro ecosystem as a whole, and you hope for the project growth, right? And basically. By then they'll catch up to like you're you're basically racing against time for this unlock, and I think what they're doing is you know um, by having these guys on board, um, hopefully they'll get a lot more people that are kind of like voicing about Jewel, so they can grow their ecosystem to a point, and then you know if the unlocks happen, you know yeah, it's, it's they like happen. a post-launch pre-sale. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. Uh, I, I mean, I remember Solana doing it as well. Um, there was, uh, I think there was a SQB going around. Um, around when they were like 40 bucks. I think people were buying them for like 20. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and obviously that did really well, um, in, <laughs> like in the long run. So, I think that yeah, if, if the project is, you know, they, they don't stop building and they, they they keep growing, it could be a really good strategy for you to bootstrap, you know, like a treasury. Uh -huh. um, and then, yeah, use that treasury to kind of like 
make up for the market cap that you are going to be diluting. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's kind of like yeah, that's kind of like what Jewel's doing. And Jewel has a lot of support. Um, it's it is obviously a you know big bet because first of all, you don't know where the macro market's going to be um, in the in a year from now. I mean, like it's a lot yeah, of people I mean, it's a five billion dollar market cap and what like really like a couple months old. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so that's, I think that's one of the risks, and also, like, the macro market, I, you know, like, a lot of people are, I don't know if too many people are expecting it to go up from here, um, a lot of people are, you know, like, I think expecting it to maybe, like, sideline from here, like, uh, create another, um, kind of, like, a range here, or go down from here, just based on how much money has been released, right? I mean, like, it, it's, it's just it has to have that correction. It's just, you know, the half the amount, you know, like USD is like been released in the last year or two, right? So that is going to have an effect on overall crypto market as well, I think. So you're definitely taking a risk and I think they're just compensating for that risk as well. What are you seeing on the VC side, Garland, for GameFi? A uh, lot of them definitely dried up. Um, I think what was happening was when it when the market was good, um, it was there were a lot of. I think there were two main categories of project. One is just the copy and paste of like you know existing games. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is like the games that haven't been developed but they have like an agreement with the game studio and it will get released in like a year time i mean that's only possible in crypto um for those projects to raise you know a couple mil right yeah and what are your thoughts Um, on the microsoft buyout today (laughs) so we have a lot of like um metaverse project uh you know bets i mean like that 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 haven't even publicly been announced like we left a couple of deals on metaverse that we're really excited about that we haven't announced yet um and i think based on that i think it's we're we're really excited um just because like we see the whole like we see the bigger money moving into you know focus more on the game side from the metaverse side on you know like just creating more of the play to earn or e like i guess like yeah like this new metaverse economy um and obviously like a lot of our investments kind of like are aligned with that direction um so i see it as like a really good sign um i don't know if anyone else wants to like kind of speak to that but yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing what Tencent's doing, right? My man met. Yeah, Microsoft? except not, except not in metaverse China. bags are popping. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, except not in China, exactly. Um, yeah, like, basically, Tencent did, did a similar thing uh, where I think a lot of their valuation 
uh, ended up being coming from, you know, like the acquisitions that they did. Like they, they you know, hired someone from Goldman Sachs, um, head of like M&A, I think. Um, and basically th that person was able to come up with like incredible strategies around like how to maximize like 10 cents capital. And like, I think one of the biggest thing that they did was they started acquiring significant portions of like, all these gaming companies. Um, so Microsoft's obviously a little late on that, but I think they see metaverse um, and this new play to earn economy, I think, as like a, I don't know, yeah, sorry, I don't know if they're like thinking about play to earn, but I definitely see like them like seeing game and, you know, like the amount of people will spend on the digital world um, as like an opportunity for them to kind of replicate what Tencent did. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, uh, it's like, it's a good macro direction that, that like, we want to, we want to make sure that we align ourselves to as well. Yeah, it makes sense. I think one thing that I can point out that, like, I've worked in and I've experienced in is these, like, single-sticking vaults, which are getting pretty popular now, uh, ribbon, dopex, all this stuff. Um, we're seeing like this massive trend, right? Where people are sticking their ether and stuff in six, uh, single staking vaults. Um, and, and an article came out, I think like a week and a half ago and that like shot up all of the token prices of these things by 50 to a hundred percent of the large ones. Um, I'm sure a lot of you saw the article, but, but what you're seeing now is you're seeing like, that's, that's a huge cause for this like volatility depression, right? You have mat, you have tens of millions of dollars of options being sold on ether and a lot of these popular tokens. And so I think that's a pretty interesting phenomenon that's going to like affect the crypto volatility and movement going forward. Um, and, and you kind of see, if, if you look on, like, implied volatility for Ether and Bitcoin calls now, it's so low, like, especially on the weekly stuff. It's like 40 implied vol, which is less than half of last year. And I think these are going to start getting super popular just because, like, staking Ether, you get, like, 5 or 6% max. And the single staking option vaults can get you 19 20% a year. So that's an interesting thing if people want to look into it. Oh, interesting. Are the single staking vaults, um, are they, like, who's, I guess, like, who's creating them? Yeah, so I... I spoke, like, what kind of companies? I spoke with Julian Bo, who, who started Ribbon, which I think... Oh, okay. I think they do the largest size. And... Um, Basically, what they do is they just call up option market makers for like block OTC trades once a week and they sell weekly options. Um, so I, I saw a chart of like implied volatility based on like one week options, one month options, two months. And the weekly options are just crushed because these single stake vault guys, and I think the largest are Ribbon and then Dopex, but but I may be wrong. Um, they just sell so many calls now 
every week. Oh, okay, okay. But it is an interesting thing to, for people to look at if they're so, long term holders. Um, they can t- they can make they can do uh, OTC options on any uh, token. So they're doing Ohm, they're doing Avalanche, they're doing Ethereum, and a few other things as well. And I think those are gaining a lot of popularity. In terms of because I'm not too familiar with how the current ribbon structure works. So basically, instead of people buying like the call options, they're going to guys like Ribbon or Dopex and buying the single staging vaults. No, so uh, like putting their money into single staging vaults. Yeah. If they they own Ethereum and they yeah. just they want to hold long term. They yeah. just deposit Ethereum into this vault that yeah. perpetually sells weekly calls against their Ethereum position. Oh, they perpetually sell. Oh, okay. So they're they're collecting, let's say, like seventy. Like the premiums. Yeah, they're collecting like fifty to seventy-five bips a week, basis points a week on these like short call options, and they just every week will resell calls for you after the previous calls expire. And wouldn't volatility going up? No, they sell, they sell the calls. Oh, so they, okay. So by, by selling the calls, like basically if the volatility gets depressed, um, you selling the call that like you have more probability that you'll make money. Is that, is that how it works? No, it's, it's just a yield-bearing strategy um, for, like, if you want to hold an asset and you want to collect premium, yeah. you, you just sell a call versus it, and you're, guaranteed, you're guaranteed to collect premium unless your Ether Got goes up at 5% in a week. Right. So it's like... Basically, people more and more people are realizing that the volatility is depressed, meaning that they'll like, less likely be trading in and out of you know. No, I think people ether. realize that ether is not really moving that much, so they may yeah. like they're trying to look for yield strategies on, on exactly. Yeah, got it, got and it, got so, it. So they're making this for a bunch of stuff, which is interesting because. Like retail doesn't have access to selling calls on like ohm, right? But yeah, Ribbon made it so you can deposit your ohm tokens, and they will get an OTC quote and and do it for you. What's the volume like on these right now? Well, that's the thing. I think that they have a decent amount of money deposited, and there's just not that much liquidity. So I think they're getting like. They have to. They have pretty high price impact every time they do a trade. Okay, so low liquidity right now for the options. Um, oh, sorry, for the options. What about like you know, like the volume on um, on ribbon? The ribbon tokens have. The, I think the volume. No, no, no sorry, like. Like uh, I guess, like each individual, um, like asset, like what's the volume that's being deposited in, like ETH, for example? I'd have to look it up. I don't want to say the wrong number, but but I, uh, I okay. Oh no, I, I see it. Yeah, it's a twenty three twenty three k ETH. 
Yeah, 23k ETH sounds right. Yeah, yeah, 23k ETH. So every week they're selling 75 million dollars worth of ETH calls. Oh, this is weekly. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. So like until until the market gets more developed, they're gonna be like they're gonna be the dominant player, and they're just gonna keep the call like the call implied volatility pretty depressed, in my opinion. Mm. Right, there just aren't enough buyers like to buy seventy five million dollars worth of ETH in calls. Right, right. That's really interesting. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't really look into how um Ruben Finance work, but um that's interesting how that depression in volatility kind of leads to these products being more popular. Well, no, the products are the ones that depress the volatility. <laughs> oh, the pro- oh, because right, because oh, okay, okay, okay. Because people are depositing, but it's like it is 75 mil, right? I mean, how like the like ETH volume is like so much bigger than that. No, but it's depressing like, that it's selling options, which is like not fully related to ETH volume. Got it. Got so, it. so there has to be equal amount of buyers of ETH of Ethereum calls, and mm-hmm. weekly there just aren't seventy-five million dollars worth of like Ethereum call buyers. Mm-hmm. The pace with Ribbon, and so as Ribbon becomes more and more popular, I think you're just gonna see, like protocols like that struggle to get their size off like it's not it's not scalable until there's just a more liquid options market right right yeah i think i don't know yeah like definitely um I guess, like, if the bull market comes back, right, like, everything starts skyrocketing, like, none of these, like, really, won't really matter that much, right? Right. It's like, people will be, yeah, people will be, like, you know, like, they'll, they'll, they'll start, you know, trading regardless, like, because, like, it's just, like, the, the, the upward trend in the market just demolishes everything. Yeah. Or, if they're big yeah. buyers, then these options won't matter at all. Yeah, um, but when the market's kind of trading back and forth and not moving, yeah. like yeah. on the grand scheme of things, you will see these like new, I guess, market entr- entrance like actually have an effect on on volatility and even price. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's What are you guys' thoughts on the uh, the Ohm fork cascade? Oh yeah, uh, I mean it's it just kind of shows you like how early we're still in the market, right? <laughs> it's like one person. <laughs> yeah, no, ex- exactly. Yeah, it's um, like one person, and the volume isn't you know it wasn't that high either. It was like a ten mil. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, it's I like what really affected it though was the leveraged positions on mm. ohm yeah um, yeah well time that, was all i think time is more levered right yeah time I, is definitely more levered yeah yeah okay i wouldn't uh don't know too much about that but 
that's probably why we saw um, time wick below its uh, risk-free valuation. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm at like 850 bucks because I just left a resting bid in. Um, oh, nice. And that was like easy, right? But I, I, I do think that kind of each each like category of Ponzi nomics will just kind of all collapse at the same time, right? Like if people lose faith in the own model, no way they're in other own forks. Yeah. I mean, we saw that with redacted as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. I mean, they're, even if it's markets that big, it's like, it's, there's, there's like that flaw in the market where, I mean, you you pay like three bucks to own $1 of, of curve and those things, right? Like, you're you're buying 200% over market value for what the treasury owns. It's mm-hmm. just like, it's not a sustainable model. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is, I mean, it's like what, like probably a $5 billion market um, ohm fork. So that's, that's wiping a lot of people out. You'll see, you see a lot of people on crypto Twitter, like who are either levered or just had, you know, their rainy day fund than time and ohm and they're just they just got like wiped out yeah yeah is there was too much of a premium on the the treasuries i I think that was pretty clear i think if you can kind of get out of all the noise it was pretty clear but i think there was a lot of people that were convincing themselves that the momentum was just going to continue and that it's just crazy that that amount of capital <laughs> can be influenced by a single person with a sell click. And not even that much. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's like a ten million dollars crash like a billion and a half dollar protocol plus Yeah. I think people are gonna see maybe maybe people won't learn, but I definitely like had a sober awakening from the current valuations of things. Um, just seeing how, you know, like such a small amount can bring down, you know, like the sentiment of a billion dollar worth of like something. So it's just like, yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a, like a sobering moment for, for the home and you know, all the own forks and, you know, all the other Ponzi-nomics that are out there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Ohm's treasure, it's basically backed by, like, stables and Bitcoin, which is not a stable, but it's not like anyone's expecting, like, a 10x on Bitcoin. So it's just weird that they have, you know, $600 million in their treasury or $700 million in their treasury, and, like, their value is $1.5 billion. It just, like doesn't make sense i think it got up to six billion didn't it no 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 is it maybe like oh uh, i think at one point it was oh yeah maybe yeah um, i'm seeing something ridiculous but maybe 
The market cap, right? You got to look at WS. Oh yeah, market cap is fine. I think it was like two and a half at one point. Four point three billion at its peak on CoinGecko. Damn, in November. In yeah. Uh, this looks like December. Oh yeah, November. 23rd. I remember thinking it was like over a billion, and I was like, "Wow, this is crazy." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that like. You know, even like time, they they had that really nice OTC block trade on Curve. I think they bought like a hundred million dollars, twenty percent below market, um, mm. a month ago. But even even doing that, like that's still not making up for a four or five x premium on like Treasury value, right? Like, they, well, I mean, they can't return that well. I think if you looked at how much the protocol gained within its first year i think people were speculating that it can kind of continue that same uh ponzi scheme yeah essentially right because i mean i when i look at it and then if i were to jump in as an investor that's what i would really be betting on is like the the ponzi scheme it's not really like oh i think more people are going to value the the treasury higher than me it's, right. I think the treasury is going to grow to a point where the risk free, where I can't lose money anymore. And if I have to wait, you know, a year until the treasury fills up then, then, you know, in a lot of people's eyes, like, I think it, it makes sense. But, um, yeah, like I, I just have a hard time seeing how, uh, pretty much just kind of what you were saying, like how these treasuries are trading at, like a 20 times uh 20x premium over their treasury i mean their their Mm. tokens are trading over at a 20x premium over their treasury it just doesn't make too much sense it's not like the people um who are controlling the treasury can can 20x you know uh, (laughs) 260 million dollars in a year right so it's like the the expectations there i think are um yeah it is like a bull market euphoria um maybe we'll start to see like a little more realistic valuations but i mean I, like the market market's been so uh overheated already i i don't know like i just don't know like how much like how much realistic valuation we can expect yeah, but like even Ohm Fork season turned into Tomb Fork season for like you said. <laughs> Ohm, Ohm Fork was like two months and then Tomb Fork was like two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, but, the rotations was very short. But those were like, those were literally popping up for like three days and either rugging or going to zero, the Tomb Fork. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, that's like, such a Ponzi, right? You put money in for an ever-inflating token. You just have to keep putting money in. Um, but like you said, I think when markets in bull mode and there's euphoria and a token says it'll give you like 7,000% a day, um, it just attracts people. It's just a marketing scheme. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And it's not sustainable. <laughs> of course. 7,000% yeah. is ridiculous. Well, I yeah. think- it is somewhat sustainable, but I think you need that positive price action for people to continue that boom cycle. And that we're probably going to go through a, 
um, like kind of like a boom and bust cycle, kind of like what, kind of like what we see with like farms in general. Like we kind of see a ma- like farming tokens. We'll see a massive run up. They'll die out for a period, and then they'll experience another massive run up. Uh, right. You know, sometime in the future. So I I don't think Ohm's dead, and I think it will trade. You know, five x over its treasury again. But yeah. I uh, I have a I also believe that it will probably trade below its treasury uh, maybe before it. But I I think that's in the cards also mm-hmm. where maybe, you know, um, you know, the, the valuation of the token maybe should be 10% below the treasury or maybe it should be, you know, uh, 50% above, but I don't think, uh, like two or three X when you start getting into those high multiples, I don't think it makes too much sense. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, that being said, I do think that they've completely changed the model. Um, and now we're seeing like a lot of innovation with time. Time just announced that there's, I, I honestly didn't pay too much attention to this, but I think time is either going to be shutting off their, uh, emissions or their, uh, or they already did shut off their emissions. And this is to kind of break away from the, the ohm model. And, um, yeah, what, what are you guys' thoughts on this? Like, they're kind of turning it more into a decentralized VC rather than, uh, kind of like what he said is like this perpetual IDO is kind of how he described the own model. Yeah. Um, and now they're turning time into more of a decentralized VC. Well, I think like there's a, there have been a few protocols that have tried to do this already, right? Like, MCC and all of its forks. Yeah, BitDAO, sort of. Yeah, exactly. And I and so I think time is more like, yeah, moving to a model where they say we're going to basically pay out returns instead of like just inflate and then hope we can return that fast, mm-hmm. which makes more sense to me. Um, yeah, me too. That I, I do think the next rotation in this space will probably be more towards like Dow VCs that just, um, that just like yield farm or, you know, aggregately invest for people. And I think that's like an interesting intro for people who aren't comfortable with DeFi, right? If you could just buy a Dow that invests for you and pays you dividends or, inflates tokens as it um, actually earns money. I think that's like an actually sustainable model. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and that's kind of, I, I think the, the own fork model would work really well with a guild. And uh, yeah, we're, we've actually kind of seen that with the Paragons that, that launched here recently, which is a, a parallel guild, but I don't want to, stray too far away from time right now so i'll put that on the back burner for now um yeah i think i'm more bullish on time here i i'm only saying this because dennis isn't on the call i feel safe (laughs) (laughs) um um, yeah no 
I, I'm I'm a little bit more bullish on on time. I think um, the gaming narrative I think is going to be one of the narratives that bring in uh, like mass adoption. I think DeFi has definitely had its time in the light. It's definitely reached uh, quite a few, you know, big. Like it's it's definitely reached you know Yahoo News and cnbc to some extent and it didn't catch but i think like if you look at like axi i if there was any game that was uh, you know a strong candy crush like game that was able to emit tokens whether or not it's a play to earn but it just kind of shows the value of crypto and it, it brings people into crypto i think that's kind of uh the region i'm bullish the most and so with the time, um, it, that narrative makes sense that they pursue the, the gaming narrative. So that's kind of one reason why I'm bullish on, on time a little bit more than Ohm. Mm-hmm. And then if you look to Danny's bigger, bigger goal with everything, um, I just got something sent to me and I didn't read it last night. And it kind of hurt me now. But Danny's bigger time with uh, bigger vision with like time, sushi, um ice and whatnot i think is to kind of create like a like a decentralized like leveraged protocol like an options protocol um where you can also do like yeah it it still kind of eludes me a little bit like I, i just have a hard time explaining it but i think we kind of still see like the we still have yet to see the grand scheme for time and the Danny coins to be yet uh, to be fully figured out yet. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more bullish on time there. I, I'm kind of under the impression, uh, Danielle just kind of shills and raises community really well. I'm pretty bearish. Like, on him being like the leader of the DeFi market. I don't I mean all he's built is time, like and then he built MIM and and spell on that, but it's all kind of into the same Ponzi scheme protocol. Like we'll see if he can actually execute on a legit cross platform um you know decks like like a sushi or something like that. Yeah, I've I've been having growing conviction uh, now that he's been like teaming up with Andre Cronia, and I think if you even look at like Andre Cronia's like profile picture, you might see it too. Um, <laughs> he's kind of like joining the the Frog Nation, and his profile uh, picture is back to his old one. Oh, it is. Maybe just like a chill in it for a day, <laughs> but um, yeah, I I think kind of the. Uh, that network of devs that it's kind of sprouting out and like moving to phantom. Uh, I, I think we kind of yet to see uh, their best project, like be fully rolled out. So like, I think like, you know, like the, the most profitable project is like definitely like spot spell you're in finance and like inverse finance, like, uh, that will have like the best return on investment, but I think the bigger picture and like their, their 
these devs' best projects are still somewhere down the road um, for users' point of point of view. I kind of had a botched saying that right there, but going um, on inverse finance. What are your thoughts? Because I, I feel inverse finance is pretty like cheap relative to. I know Concave is going to use it when they launch, if they ever launch. Um, and I feel like there's a bunch of people who are actually going to like build into and use Inverse. I've, I've spoken to Viper about this a bunch. Um, but I, I think that's a pretty nice protocol. I, um, I was early on Inverse, and I, I, I was buying Inverse at <laughs> like $1,200 a uh, Inverse. Um, like I, I got wrecked on it pretty early on. Too early. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. What was that? That doesn't sound too early. Oh <laughs> no! I I think I got in on it uh, like week two or something. L- looking at the Coin Gecko chart, like I I got in uh, around May, I think. But uh, yeah, I. I've definitely seen like a lot more action come out of inverse recently. And like, they've been building uh, a decent amount, but I kind of have a hard time building uh, a lot of conviction there. Like I, I just don't see how they're unique in the space. Um, I mean, they, they definitely have a few things going for them, but I think one of the, the uh, me and Dennis think one of the best things that they have is their, uh, stablecoin farming strategy, but they don't put enough like effort into it to actually make it into something cool. Like you can earn four percent APY on tokens, so it's like you're not even doing, you're not even beating just putting your stablecoins into curve and then getting your eight percent and then just buying, uh, you know, uh, Ethereum and whatnot. And so I think if we, like when we kind of see like their lending protocol and like their stablecoin, like it, you can kind of get you can kind of say that they're going to copy the same roadmap as like Frax um, with their partnerships. But I've kind of just seen, just personally being in the community uh, for a while, like I just kind of seen a lack of growth on on their yeah, end. They're they're like fifty million market cap now what's frax at right yeah so i mean you can definitely do that but i mean um uh, like i I, frax is definitely making a lot uh better partnerships and and uh sticking around so frax is 1.1 billion uh market cap and inverse is 40 million market cap um, I do think inverse is pretty cheap, around forty million. Um, but like, I I just don't see what's the, the like. Of, of course, the concave is the next bullish catalyst for it, but I don't see what brings it over a hundred million dollar market cap. To be quite frank, yeah, but um, concave could really just like moon it, and it may not be like long term, but you could just see so much like so much demand for something that has a 40 million market cap I don't yeah know. i mean uh so are, are they locking up inverse at all or are they just using the dola stable coin 
I, I believe both. Again, okay. Viper's kind of the one that put me on this, so he knows a lot better. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just based on that community size, right? That That's kind of what I'm betting on. Like the community entering the Dola inverse space is just going to be massive. Again, if Concave <clears throat> ever launches. <laughs> yeah. It, it's been uh, like three months we've been waiting on Concave, I think. Yeah, well, right? Really fab. Uh, yeah, what is con- what's Concave's niche again? They don't, no one really knows. No one knows even. <laughs> but I think they have like whatever 30,000 Discord members or something crazy. Okay, that's pretty funny. Um, um, and I guess last stable coin topic that's popular is, is Vader, which I Vader. wish small, small cap was here because he knows a lot about Vader. But that, yeah, that's been a super hot topic. Yeah, I wish I knew a little bit more about Vader so I could have a bit more of an informed discussion about it. Uh, but, I mean, they kind of just got their Ponzi-nomics right. Um, yeah. And then, like, are, are we kind of seeing the same unraveling right now that we're seeing, like, with Ohm? Because I know that we're kind of... We're seeing, like, Ohm unravel, and we've seen Luna unravel. And I know kind of Vader steals... Well, Luna was their... more the FUD, right? Luna was, like, people are worried that Anchor will not continue to be able to pay, like, 15 to 20% on stables. <laughs> well, I think there was FUD about this... The and the and egg. withdrawal, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So, um, I, I think Vader's a bit different, but I do think it's like a similar tokenomics to a Luna or a or an inverse. Um, it just seems to have a lot of traction, and I, I do see a lot of people bullish on it. Do you know its market cap? Uh, I can see it right now. I mean, fully diluted is two billion, but regulars three hundred seventy. But, but like, I oh. mean, I, I'm seeing posts on like Vader maxis that are saying, ideally, you can just convert a Vader, which is eight cents, into a like whatever it's called, stable, yeah, stablecoin, yeah, stable for a dollar. Which, obviously, if they can pull that off, that would be huge. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think these Ponzi nomics are like still getting figured out to their their uh they're they're getting refined and refined and refined. Like just <laughs> just looking at like the farming coins that we had, the food farming coins that we had in twenty twenty versus like Ohm and Vader and a lot of this other stuff that's sprouting out. Um yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more of these uh, Ponzi sprout up. Have you guys uh, paid any attention to the the Paragons um, guild that's like launching? Oh, is that the, the Parallel? Yeah, the Parallel uh, guild. Yeah, I haven't seen any um, good... Um, yeah, I haven't seen any good like updates from parallel. I don't know what, what what's exactly going on there. 
in in regards to the Paragon's like IDO or yeah yeah just basically like the whole ecosystem I know they're they used to pop up in the news a lot um, but I, I know they have like created this like physical asset physical parts um, to go with their NFTs but just haven't really you know been able to like really follow up you know. Well, I think they're having their bonding event today. Um, the Paragons. Uh, so, yeah, just to elaborate on what Paragons is, to fill people in, is that it's a parallel guild. Um, and they're doing a bonding event either, it was either today or yesterday where people could bond um, parallel cards for PDT. And, um, yeah, I kind of wanted to see what your guys' thoughts on this was. Because I think with, like, when we saw, like, Snoop uh, launch, uh, we quickly saw that it, it dropped below its risk revaluation because nobody was buying either coin. Nobody wanted to buy the, uh, the dog NFT uh, coin, and nobody was buying Snoop. So I don't want to say we're going to see that same thing with PDT because I think it has way more buy interest. But um, I, I think we're going to see, like with a lot of these other ohm forks that sprout out up, uh, especially with these ones with illiquid assets, I think we're going to see them ultimately trade below the risk-free valuation uh, because when you consider a lot of these, uh, like, like ohm forks and whatnot, it's because the reason why they, they have carry their value is because they can sell their liquid tokens at, uh, you know, any given moment or give you their liquid tokens. And then you can go on later to sell them where like these illiquid tokens, they don't necessarily have the same buy pressure at any given moment. And if there were a lot of them to be listed up on the market at, uh, the same time, it would definitely drop the price drastically. So I don't think we're going to see, uh, like Paragons might be able to carry like the guild bullishness and uh, like the parallel bullishness and ride that valuation, uh, ride that premium out for a little while. But I think ultimately we're going to see these guilds, uh, these illiquid Ohm forks, I think we're going to see them fall back below their risk-free valuations. Yeah, it makes sense. I think, and, and the last thing I saw this week that was interesting was Grim Finance kind of had a comeback. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, but it's like an auto, it was an auto compounder on Phantom that got hacked um, and like almost all the TVL was wiped out. And now it's it's making oh, wow. yeah, and it's making a comeback now, and people are kind of trusting it more. And I think if if this works out, I think this could be like definitely a pretty big trend going for like going forward on these, especially on the DGen chains, right, where everyone's trying to auto compound as much as possible, but they need to sleep. And so I think their model takes like. 4% of the profits from the auto compounding and, and buys and burns tokens or, or redistributes in some way. 
But I, I think this is something pretty interesting to watch out for. It's on Phantom now. Um, I think you'll see it on all the chains if Grim works out because it's like a pretty easy thing to fork and it's a no-brainer for basically any chain that has a bunch of either, you know, games that constantly are trying to harvest, sell, re-LP or stuff like Tomb Forks that are also doing the same thing. So, like, auto, I think auto compounders will, will be big if these, uh, if these, like, you know, degen games and, and forks continue to pop up. Mm, but, I mean, like, can they plug into, like, the games as well? You just, I thought it was just for default. Just LP, and they should be able to auto compound anything. Oh, okay. Got it. And it's, it's like, it's just more efficient, right? If you, if a thousand people contribute and one guy auto compounds instead of everyone like staying up all night to do it or one bot. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a pretty interesting trend that the chains that have a bunch of protocols that have that stuff, I think it'll be popular on those. It's, I think it's always about security, right? Yeah, exactly. So people like, wait to see if, like, probably two months to see if Grim gets hacked again. And if it doesn't, you're going to have a lot of Grim buyers, and then you're going to see a bunch of forks start popping up. Yeah. The, the only thing with, like, DeFi, I think, that, like, part of it is, like, the downfall of DeFi as well um, is because of these hacks. Like, literally everything is getting hacked. Like, there's, like, maybe, like, 5-10% of protocols that haven't been hacked. Like, rest of the 90s, 90%, like, have been hacked in some shape or form. And people have lost money in there. Um, so I think it's, like, yeah, like, a multi, I think, multi-chain. Um, yeah, multi-chain. I think it's called multi-chain. Like, the... the found another vulnerability that you know you guys haven't revoked your access yet like you definitely should on like a couple of assets um so like all of these things are happening right like basically a constant like you know like constant hacks so i feel like yeah like it's it's hard for these like DeFi protocols to really kind of like go um yeah um go forward without really addressing like you know like the to to certain degree of certainty um like they're, they're not going to get hacked yeah yeah any swap i guess they, they change it to multi-chain now yeah yeah or like some kind of insurance system or like the insurance gets like you know a lot better to be able to cover some of these like insane hacks. Yeah, I think on-chain identity needs to be better. Well, I have been like seeing a bunch chain. of deals. Like, it does seem like it's insurance protocol, insurance like stuff is starting to heat up in the VC world as well. Um, yeah, yeah, we've been seeing we've been seeing a little bit more. Yeah. So that that's pretty interesting, right? And and the models I see are pretty vanilla like i don't think they're mm -hmm. i don't think they're doing like very in-depth code audits 
but I think it is a step in the right direction, right? Like people will be much more comfortable in DeFi when there's insurance available. Exactly. Yeah, like the protocols have insurance where they can compensate for the user's loss. Usually that's how it works with every single company that's out there, right? And yeah, and trust... I also think like you'll see a huge move of I think we lost. Oh, I thought I lost him. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we lost you down. Um, yeah, I kind of have a. I've kind of flipped my conviction a little bit on DeFi. I think people are still sketched out about crypto and putting money. Normies are still sketched out about putting money in crypto and locking it up and moving funds away from their wallet. Um, and that's kind of one reason, like. Uh, like I've built up my, I, I've just kind of come back to gaming and gaming and gaming a lot on this, but it, it it's been building up. Uh, like I, I definitely see that as the next wave of buyers in the space, and like where the next uh, wave of adoption lies. Yeah, I think gaming is always going to be. Yeah, like especially like the macro environment and like how that's moving towards gaming right now. Um, I definitely see a lot more money flowing into gaming. It's gaming isn't just gaming now. It's like it's 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 like your entry point into the digital world. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I feel like that narrative has been like is it's taking a hold in a lot of people. Um, especially with pandemic and stuff, I feel like it's uh it's getting more and more um you know popularized so yeah kind I, of I, just how like in the last two decades we've seen games move away f- uh from being something to kind of just take away uh you know a couple hours uh to something that's like moved into more of like a social media uh platform in a way where you could like engage with people and have relationships and i think we're going to slowly see hopefully we might slowly see this move into finance at least to some degree um where we see like DeFi kingdoms like integrates like their decks and we see like trading on some level with uh these in-game assets that's really where i'm most bullish is like uh yeah, the trading of in-game assets and then the future creator economy that a lot of people like Axie uh, allude to where people kind of build up their own economy, um, where people kind of build in the metaverse and then, um, you know, exchange services and tokens to one another. I think that's kind of uh, the real bullish case for, for gaming that I see right now. I think we lost Dan, though. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I, I think we can wrap it up here. Yeah, um, yeah I think that was definitely. a good session. Yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, thanks for joining us. And then, as always, we'll share the notes on our channel. Um, and then, yeah, take it from there. Yeah, sweet. Have a good day, guys. All right, have a good day, guys. Bye-bye.